All right, ladies and gentlemen, Nas Cavando uh, coming at you live on a Supernet Radio Network on Supernet Radio itself, the home station, the flagship of the Supernet Radio Network fleet of stations. We got 24, 20, we got 24 stations, uh, websites, and uh, we also have our player embedded in uh, several other uh, websites. Uh, I got to write that down. Uh, I know we got it. It's on Nexter, Nexter.org. You go right there, and it's on there. Uh, so you can uh, go out there to uh, Nexter to listen to that and get uh, Supernet Radio there. And uh, it's also on um, altnuts.com, the um, uh, Supernet mining site. I see some talk out there on General uh, just uh, a couple minutes ago uh, talking about uh, altnuts. And uh, you get out there, that's the multi-pool out there. Um, you can get, uh, you can use A6, uh, A6 SHA-256, X11, and... Uh, Get your miners hooked up there, uh, and they mine the most profitable coins, and then you can select what uh, core coin you want to be paid in. You know, Bitcoin Dark, um, Opal, Veracoin, uh, I don't know about Bullberry. You know, i got to look into more of that Bullberry. I, I don't understand that coin. And uh, I know they were first, one of the first admitted to the um, to the core, and it was because of their anon tech that they were using crypto note. And the dev of uh, Bullberry uh, had uh, made some advances in reducing blockchain bloat. So. Uh, James got in touch with him and put him to work, uh, bought up the 10% of the bulb of the coin that uh, all core coins, James likes to have 10% of the coin uh, in possession of Supernet uh, itself uh, as a uh, requisite for being a core coin. And uh, that's to, uh, so he can have some control over the uh, the float and and prices and he holds that 10% they're pretty much on hold for a long-term basis so it stabilizes the coins and gives him uh, access to uh, plenty of coins to use it if those core coins become uh, integral to operation of any features of the supernet which is very true with Bitcoin dark where uh, to use uh, bit the features of Bitcoin Dark within Supernet, and the big ones there are going to be uh, teleport and, and telepathy, and of course the RAM chains have been developed in there, and that, that will also probably link to uh, Instadex uh, to uh, an MGW, so you'll need Bitcoin Dark in order to initiate those chains. That's what I believe. I'm not sure. This is what I agree. We will all be sure soon because of the uh, recent... Oh, by the way, before I forget, let me get to those prices. The uh, The big news is, of course, the hack on Bitter, 
where uh, 7,000 uh, Bitcoin have been stolen and uh, from a hack. Uh, there's a 700, over a, a 700 Bitcoin reward offered. Uh, and uh, I'm going to get into that a little bit. Uh, I got a few things to say about that, but in reply to uh, that, uh, what's going on is we got a uh, self-styled uh, supernet, uh, uh, well, crypto security guy uh, by the name of Colin012 or Colin012. Uh, uh, I, I like. To, I think he Tom Brady. That's his number. That's big up here in New England right now. And uh, with the Super Bowl and Tom Brady, he wears number 12. So Colin 12 is uh, new to uh, Slack. And uh, he uh, very interested in uh, security, in the security field, and has written uh, a white paper uh, with that. So we're going to have him on. Uh, Colin 12 is going to be on tomorrow at 11, p 11 a.m., uh, Eastern Standard Time right here live on Supernet Radio with Cavando. I'm going to uh, do a uh, interview slat info view where I like to call him an info view where I can get a lot of the questions answered that I want answered by someone who understands these security things uh, more than I do. He's uh, been active in the next community. I talked with him briefly today on Skype. And uh, he's got he's he's putting together some some material, and uh, he's going to be uh, on at eleven o'clock tomorrow Eastern Standard Time right here on Supernet Radio Live with Cavando. So you can tune in for that. That ought to be fun. And of course, we always record these shows and get them up on SoundCloud and out to Yahoo, and they're in the archives. So you'll be able to get back there and get to them. But uh, you know that's really the big news with. Uh, oh, be, let me get to those prices. So the, the one of the problems is that Unity, which is Supernet, the, the, the Supernet uh, trades under the trading symbol Unity on Bitter, and that uh, and also on Polynex. So uh, I don't know if it's if it's Unity or Supernet on Polynex, but anyway, those and then the next asset exchange. That's the only three places where you can trade um, Supernet, you know, buy and sell your Supernet. So uh, the fact that Unity was hacked and is shut down uh, freezes up uh, a lot of uh, coin. And uh, plus, the Supernet had uh, 800 uh, Bitcoin on... Um, on the bitter exchange. Now, the reason for that was that, uh, according to James, James' explanation was that that was the portion uh, during the ICO, the initial community offering of uh, Supernet back in September. There are all kinds of different discounts if you purchase with different coins or uh, fiat. And one of the fiats that got a discount on your purchase was the uh, Rebnembi. Remembi, which is the uh, coin of the fiat currency of China, so uh, symbol uh, CNY, and 
the uh, Renembi was uh, there's uh, that of that those shares of Supernet that were bought with Renembi were still on uh, on Bitter, which was also involved in selling the tokens with uh, during that uh, that ICO. So those that 800 Bitcoin is on there. It, it actually amounts to uh, less than 5% of SuperNet's uh, assets. But uh, SuperNet is, uh, you know, at risk uh, for uh, some of those uh, Bitcoin that were stolen. 7,000 Bitcoin uh, missing from, you know, a hot cold wallet combination of some sort we'll get to the bottom of that and get an explanation of what all this stuff is about tomorrow from Colin 12 you know old uh, Tom Brady Colin Brady and um, we'll get him and uh, he can explain it to Cavando and if Cavando can understand it everyone else ought to <laughs> so uh, we'll find out about all of that stuff uh, tomorrow with those particulars but it's quite a big deal 7,000 Bitcoin is a is a good chunk of cash. I mean, you're talking about a, a real real hit there, and uh, they claim bitter claims that they're going to be around, but we'll see uh, what happens with that. The uh, and that uh, oh, I still haven't got to the prices. Come on, come on, don't get to them prices, man. You know you got to do what you say you're going to do. The um, now one of the things on Bitcoin Wisdom is that Next was listed on uh, Bitter and uh, on uh, Bitrex and uh, I believe Polynex now because but it only was it wasn't showing on uh, oh it was Pick Cripsy and. Uh, Bitter now because of the bitter being down, next is no longer showing on the Bitcoin Wisdom uh, list. So uh, that that list that they put up, but Veracoin uh, had a nice pop, almost up to six thousand uh, over the weekend, but has since dropped down to fifty three fifty one trading right now. And Bitcoin Dark is forty three four hundred and thirty nine thousand. 852 so about 440,000 on Bitcoin dark uh, you know that's where it's been uh, hovering down there drops below 400,000 Kavanda's in there buying and next had been uh, it dropped uh, below 5,000 into uh, you know around 46 or so over the weekend I was getting ready to buy some and because of this um, because of this uh, trading thing going on, it's now up around 46.8. And uh, so uh, if you can find a place to buy it, now it seems to be it's frozen there too. So lots of problems going on. Uh, you know, these ripples, not the coin, uh, the waves being made by all of, the, again, this Wild West nature of the internet and crypto uh, crypto in general and of course over the weekend it happened just like Kavando said when he signed off Friday watch out this is when the stuff happened so sure enough big hack came down over the weekend and um, we'll be getting some coverage of that and try to get understanding of that uh, you know as we move forward the uh, prices of um, Supernet 
our uh, SuperNet is holding at around 222. Nice prices, uh, 222. And uh, with the last uh, three uh, per transactions on an asset exchange, there was uh, one guy uh, who was uh, on a big dump yesterday. You can see by the last four, that's how to, you can do it. You can really see who's doing what. Uh, out on uh, the with that brain wallet, the next uh, wallet, and uh, this guy uh, BUEM3 on the end, he he dumped quite a bit of. Uh, he had some very large transactions. Plus this other guy C two V two two two, he dumped you know uh, a, a large amount. I'm I'm talking uh, hundreds. Uh, you know, here's a one sale for 95, another for 61, 23, you know, he, over a period of time, and, um, and this was yesterday, so, uh, good prices on Supernet, you know, I'm a buyer at, uh, at those levels, and, uh, you know, generally speaking, I'm a buyer, the initial price in the ICO back in September ended up at about 170 next, so 220 is, you know, 50, so that's about 30% right there since it's initial ICO, and it has been up over 300, up to 300 or so uh, with all of this stuff, and Supernet isn't even out yet. Now, the, uh, the big hue and cry that went up immediately because of the hack was the the same old deal with the fact that it's not it the, the the vulnerability of these exchanges because they're centralized so uh so now uh people were talking out on slack and it'd be a big push you know let's get instadex out there which is uh, you'll be able to think about Instadex is you'll be able to exchange any crypto coin for any other coin or fiat. It's going to be really unbelievable. That's what my understanding is. And um, it's uh, getting very, very close to ready. As a matter of fact, I was doing a, uh, oh, before I do that, let me go to the conversation that was going on. So uh, out on the uh, Slack is uh, some of the stuff that was going on about the uh, security problems, and uh, you know the fact the facts are that no you can't ever be a hundred percent secure no matter what you know you're you're whistling in the wind if you think that even if it's completely decentralized you're not going to be able to be a hundred percent secure. Pretty darn close, especially with these uh, new technologies and um, protocols that uh, James and his team have come up with uh, on Supernet and with uh, the non-tech on uh, Bitcoin Dark, on uh, Opal, on uh, some of these other coins that they're getting. And you, it's going to be incredibly hard to do that with telepathy, but... There's always going to be a way to break it. Uh, the, the question is whether the, there'll be a, uh, enough to brute force, force it. If you could just to make it as hard as almost impossible to do as you can. And uh, the, uh, tele, the uh, telepathy in particular gets uh, super, super close to uh, that. So uh, anyway, 
the uh, but then uh, the, now out on Slack, these people are thinking out of the box all the time, and they're saying, well, what's not to say that it isn't some government or you know uh, or the CIA or you know the Chinese or some Wall Street firm or some banking co company or some huge worldwide monetary uh, conglomerate that isn't hacking these things trying to shoot down Bitcoin. Well, that's possible. You know, the other thing is it, uh, it just could be uh, an inside job with a greedy manager. And um, so what, what, what's the deal? And what it does is it, uh, and what's going to happen? Are they going to honor uh, withdrawals of Bitcoin? Do they have any more Bitcoin left? They've been around for two, three years, I guess. And uh, or, uh, or and are they going to allow withdrawals of other altcoins? You know, we got to get uh, first of all, uh, bidder has got to get back up and running. Now, according to Cassius, uh, that the uh, there are fifty million next on uh, on bidder and fifty thousand unity. You know, that's quite a bit that are controlled there, there's only 879,000 total uh, next, uh, total unity, you know, super net, there's only, so that's, that's, uh, so call it, uh, let's call it 900,000, so that'd be 118th, so, you know, that's like, uh, you know, 17% of the unity is on, um, is on bidder. So, you know, what's going to happen with that? You know, and that's, that's for the trading and the bitter people have that. And it's millions, millions worth of uh, remem rem renminbi, which is the Chinese car car uh, fiat. And uh, the thing is, it, are you going to be able to get low buys on those if and when they do open? You know, what's going to happen? And... Uh, so there's a that's an awful lot of money going on uh, that's uh, in uh, limbo, and uh, Cassius goes on to say that they said they'll honor and restitute all affected users, but we'll have to wait and see. And isn't that the truth? So what it all comes down to basically is um, reputation. For instance, there was uh, somebody out on. Uh, asking about, uh, he had a strange name, he must have been Dutch uh, or Danish or something like that, Gene Stilge, G-E-N-S-T-I-J-L, and he was thinking about investing in Supernet, and he wanted to know more about James. How can he find out more about James? And James is like super uh, anonymous and very concerned about it. He's worried about his, uh, not only his bank accounts, but his family and uh, because of the nature of crypto and his uh, heavy involvement in development matters and the uh, murky, uh, unsettled regulatory uh hoops and whatever that's going through uh going around in crypto these days now uh and what it comes down to is reputation 
reputation. And it doesn't matter what your, it matters what your reputation is. The reason that Supernet has this gang of, of people that are super coders and uh, everything's coming together and getting work fast and you, they're out on Slack and actually see them doing all this other work. But these guys have been together for a while and a lot of them came under, uh, uh, James uh, was originally uh, involved in Next and uh, then got involved with, uh, with, a, uh, with Bitcoin Dark and eventually became the lead developer of Bitcoin Dark. And these people made a shit ton of money with uh, James and uh, his, his way of dealing with things. So then when they started developing this idea of the supernet, they signed on and went forward with James. So James has got quite a, has got a positive reputation and uh, that's what you have to go on. Now, what's to say that it won't be positive? Well, there's nothing, that it won't stay that way and that James will get the whole supernet together and then run off with all the coins. Well, it, it, it isn't possible because he's got, the way he's got it set up with committees and all this other stuff, there's all kinds of checks and balances within, it, within that. But there can always be an insider deal. The, and it comes down to reputation. What is the reputation? I trust James. Just from the way he deals with people and uh, his manner uh, and w how he conducts himself and how he approached Veracoin, and, which I, and I was very involved with all of that. So uh, his reputation is impeccable as far as I'm concerned. And, uh, and, and I have to go with that. Now... When I met in, in early last July, uh, Veracoin also had some dealings with uh, this guy from Moolah, Alex Green. Now, I met that guy, and uh, I, was just, I just met him on a hangout, and I just felt like strangling that guy. I, I, I just didn't like him. There was something about his mannerisms, the way he looked, how he behaved. He was uh, vaping on the air. And just the way he conducted himself and the way he answered questions and there was an air, an air of arrogance about him. I just didn't like him. And the whole thing fell apart. He had promised that uh, Veracoin had gone out on a limb and said they were going to have such and such stuff ready uh, and uh, all this uh, being able to directly exchange Veracoin for uh, fiat uh, through uh, Moolah and on July, the 4th of July weekend, it, it, it didn't work. They came up with some excuse. Now, three months later, Alex Green turns out to be, he's a huge scam. He's a huge scammer and runs off and has been scamming for years. And now he's disappeared totally with millions of Bitcoin. Now, Cavando uh, is an old guy, and I've learned over the years that, uh, you know, to trust my feelings. I pay real close attention to uh, where I spend my life force uh, or my chi and where uh, and the other surrounding chi around me. And I can get a pretty good read. And, you know, not that I'm correct all the time, but I've, I've got 67 years of practice in this stuff. So when I get a read on someone like I got on Alex Green, I'm usually right. And it turned out again that Kavanda was right. So thank goodness I didn't put anything into Moolah. 
I tried to get a wallet. It, it, it took me like three or four months just to get uh, okayed for verification. On, I mean, that was crazy, that whole scene. And it turns out that they were scams. Now, that's not, that's not James's reputation. That's not what's going on. That's not next reputation. That's, all these people have fine reputations, and I'm, and I'm thrown in with them. Uh, so it's it's your reputation that matters, and that's all you can do is go with your gut feeling. So if you feel comfortable with all of this stuff, jump on board because it is the future. It's going to happen, and uh, SuperNet is going to be on the forefront of all of that stuff going on. Now, today, uh, I got an interview coming up with uh, Carl Young. Uh, his uh, Lutz has put up a, a, a thing on Carl Jung the other day uh, on the Awaken channel, you know, the famous uh, psychologist that worked with, uh, was a protege of, uh, who's the guy I want? Come on, I can't even think about that. I'm really whiffing out uh, Freud, where, uh, you know, sex is everything, the cokehead. Uh, I, I, that uh, they got into some crazy stuff, and I, I believe Young did as well. But anyway, Young was a protege of uh, Freud in Vienna in uh, the late uh, 19th uh, and early 20th century, and uh, a lot of Cavando's personal uh, philosophies are based on Eastern thought, uh, Hinduism, Buddhism, animism, uh, Taoism, uh, with a liberal sprinkling of uh, Jungian thought about uh, collective conscious. And uh, Lutz has got uh, a video out there about Jung. So uh, seeing as how it was a... Um, uh, plus, it's Washington's weekend, Washington's birthday weekend. George Washington uh, uh, is a really, I'm really big on George Washington. He's a great guy, and I've been able to commune with him uh, spiritually several times in the past and, you know, feel his presence. That's what this uh, Kavandawism and Kavando's spiritual beliefs get. You can actually, uh, you know, link up with uh, these people and get these uh, get the sense of what they're talking about and what was really going on back then instead of relaying relying on these history books so I arranged for uh, Carl Young to uh, come on and uh, I had some brief interactions with him but anyway Carl's going to come on and uh, later and he's going to interview George uh, about his birthday, about some some very interesting things that uh, about George Washington that uh, people aren't around. So that's coming up, uh, and uh, after after the um, after I play a tune here. So let me get a tune on the. Um, let's see what we can do. Here's a uh, here's a new one. Uh, this one here is a pretty good tune. Let me see what you think about it. I'll just play it for you. See what you see if you like it or not. A little soft, little ballad.
Yeah, baby, that's uh, Lucas Nelson and Promise of the Real uh, off of the Pally Gap album. Uh, hey, baby, New Rising Sun. He'd have fit right in back in the day of uh, when Covando was a young fella running around like a mad person. Then they uh, they tried to cash my chips early and sent me to the NAM, but uh, fooled him, man. Came back, you know, the hippie warrior. Uh, they thought they sent me right to a bad place, but I fooled them and came back. Changed my life forever, but uh, here I am today broadcasting live on Supernet Radio. Uh, Carl, are you there, Carl? Come in, Carl. Carl Young, are you there? Aye, yay! Aye, yes, I am. What is going on, dear Senor uh, Cavando? Uh uh, I was wondering if you were going to uh, contact you earlier today. Uh, I got uh, George Washington on the line, too, and uh, because of his birthday, I was hoping you were going to uh, interview him, uh, having to do with uh, the, you know, your idea of the collective conscious and that it's a, like, a bunch of like-minded people, and how might that refer to the Revolutionary War? You had a lot of people that were thinking the same energetically and they kind of banded together and created, uh, you know, a new nation with uh, freedom and all of that stuff. Uh, how's that sound? Aye, yes, young Cavando. That's, uh, that sounds very good. We tried to uh, do that. You get the Georgie boy on here and um, we talked to him right away. I said, uh, Listen, uh, Carl, you're going to have to clean it up a little, man. You know, this you can't be calling him Georgie Boy. You know, this is George Washington, the first president of the United States. You know, we did a lot of stuff. And, uh, uh, oh, yeah, I am quite aware of all of his stuff that he do. I want to talk to him about vivification and also about that business uh, with that uh, with the uh, whiskey and the uh, Shelburne, uh, what was it, up in Massachusetts. Those boys, they're pretty angry after the war. Uh, up at uh, Shea's Rebellion, uh, he had a pretty hard time up there. I, I want to talk to him. Okay, yeah, we can talk about that. I'm sure George will have some recollections. Are you there, George? Well, hell yeah, I'm here. I'm listening to this guy. I, I, I mean, I'll talk with this man, but uh, he sounds a little flaky to me. I said, uh, okay, George, uh, we'll see. All right, Carl, what do you got to say? Uh, uh, Air Washington, where are your papers? What? Uh, papers? I, got, I don't need any papers. I'm from the great state Commonwealth of Virginia. It says, no papers? What? That is a violation! Hey, Carl, calm down, man. You sound like uh, the reincarnation of Henrik Himmler here. Heinrich Himmler. Uh, you know, one of the, uh, some like a guy from the Gestapo. You got to be cool with George. He's a cool dude, man. You don't need to question him. His, his, he's above reproach. You know, he, he's got an impeccable pedigree. Oh, it, it, hey, uh, listen, I'm going to take over this interview here, uh, Carl. You know, well, I'll get with you later and I'll find out what the heck is wrong with you, man. But uh, I'm going to take over and do this interview. George, are you there? Yeah, I, uh, I'm here. Yeah, hell yeah, I'm here. I'm waiting to talk to you about all this stuff. You know, I'm down here and uh, I grew up, I'm a Virginia planter and uh, I know all about all of this stuff and uh, some great experience during that war. 
and not before that. I said, well, I'm quite aware of that, George. Um, I know that uh, you were uh, a surveyor and all of that and were very involved with the British uh, military in the French and Indian War. Matter of fact, uh, that was a pretty bad screw-up you had when you went out there to uh, meet that French emissary out in uh, western Pennsylvania and stuff and uh, to talk peace and all that other stuff and... uh, you bumbled into each other, ended up getting a firefight, and the guy ended up dead. You know, the politician, what happened there? He says, well, that was uh, that was true. That's true there, Kavando. That was a big mess up, and uh, we didn't mean to shoot him, but, you know, hell, no one could see anybody out in them bushes out there. And, uh, yeah, it did what? That, that uh, was not good for my career. But I learned a lot about that and uh, rallied the troops that afternoon and uh, made sure that we kept the losses down and, you know, at least it was a Frenchman It was dead, not me. I said, well, I can understand that, George. Now, let's get, uh, let's get past this. Now, uh, with the, uh, now the good thing about you is that you were like a gentleman planter and, uh, had a little bit of a savoir faire and being able to deal with the British because of your stuff with that. And as opposed to all of the, uh, the drunken rowdies from Massachusetts that uh, were throwing tea into the bay and uh, stirring up stuff up there, and, uh, you know, John, uh, Sam Adams and those guys, you know, John Hancock and uh, John Hancock, you know, basically Sam Adams was uh, smuggling stuff for Sam, for uh, John Hancock, that's why he he was a big merchant up there, and uh, of course he had self-interest at heart, and, uh, but, it wasn't necessarily the, the king's taxes. They were avoiding taxes up there all the time. So uh, then they, they, then uh, it got really bad. He says, what was the story on that, that first Continental Congress, George? Well, I'll tell you right now, Kavando, that first Continental Congress, some boys from Massachusetts was some hot. And they came on down to Philadelphia. It was some hot there in the summertime, too. And uh, we talked it over and uh, couldn't come to any kind of agreement with all of them colonists. So I sent them boys to uh, go on up back to Massachusetts. We'll sit still and uh, resist those boys out there. Don't uh, give in to any of that stuff. And then, uh, sure enough, uh, come spring of next year, the following year, uh, they started some shooting up there, and uh, I had to get on up there to uh, help them out. And uh, although some people think it was just a bunch of drunken louts up there and uh, rowdies up there in Massachusetts, uh, that ain't quite so, because there was a uh, Dr. Warren who was, uh, you know, a well-known physician, well-liked in the community. He was serving as the uh, head of the militia up there, and arranged for uh, Paul Revere and all of that stuff to uh, get uh, warned about when them boys, them Redcoats, marched out to Lexington and uh, old, uh, he got them all uh, set there and was uh, very instrumental in that. And as a matter of fact, he was doing such a fine job that Dr. Damn, I keep getting a blank. You think you're old, Cavando? Old George is pretty old himself even though I am just a spirit. So, uh, yeah, Dr. 
Warren. Yeah, Dr. Warren. He was good. And, uh, and then he was in command at the Battle of Bunker Hill uh, a couple months after all that shoot him up up in Lexington. And uh, he actually died in that battle. That was a shame. He was a good man. He held the line up there. And so few, few people know that that Battle of Bunker Hill was the bloodiest battle of the entire Revolutionary War. Yeah, we killed, uh, killed over a thousand of uh, them red, red, red backs lying on the you know, battlefield after that. And the only reason that uh, we got chased off, that the revolutionaries got chased off, was uh, we ran out of ammo. That was a big problem back then. Ran out of ammo. Had to leave. Otherwise, we'd have kept on mowing them down. But uh, that was uh, that was a big slaughter out there. They weren't happy about that. No, we whipped them good that day up on Bunker Hill. A lot of dead ones. And unfortunately, uh, Dr. Warren fell in that battle. And uh, we could have used that uh, man up there, but I got I got up there a few months later, and uh, we did some other stuff. Now, what's this other stuff I hear about uh, you doing, uh, George? Uh, you know, we can. Uh, I want to get into this stuff that Carl had mentioned. Carl Young had mentioned uh, for the medical stuff about uh, you and this uh, process called vivification. What's the deal on that? And uh, you know, smallpox, and uh, what 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 happened at Valley Forge? What's the deal on that? It says, well, uh, well, there, yeah, come on, I tell you, boy, the uh, there was a terrible thing, smallpox back then. And smallpox used to come through about every ten years and walk walk out about twenty percent of the population everywhere. Every single, uh, you know, seven ten years, the smallpox come by, killed twenty percent of the people, pretty bad. Nothing you could do about it, and uh, there was a new, uh, I had a medicine man with me, uh, a medical guy called uh, Dr. Lester, and he was a good boy, a good old boy, and uh, doing all his new stuff, uh, you call it new age today, research and all that other stuff, he was in touch with some people over in England, but they weren't too hot on it, and it involved uh, infecting, it was called vivification. And it was it involved uh, taking the live smallpox and uh, just putting a tiny bit on a person, and uh, they would get a, a, a little bump. They would actually get a, a, a small case of smallpox, and they would get uh, developed an immunity to it. Now this was all voodoo in those days, man. No one wanted to talk about it. I know I'm a spirit. I'm floating around. I see all the stuff they got today with drugs and inoculations and. They talking all this stuff about vaccines and that that Lutz, he's a crazy man. He doesn't believe in that vaccine stuff. But this vaccination for smallpox has uh, changed changed the world because of uh, how smallpox used to ravage the populations. And uh, not only that, it was worse in a closed in space, uh, and that's what it is with 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 men in the army. And uh, it, it can really ruin an army, and it was close to doing that in uh, Battle Forge. So I knew about this. Uh, I had this medical guy and uh, Dr. Lester, and I said, Doc, what, uh, what can we do about this? We're stuck up here in Battle Forge, and we get the smallpox in here. We ain't going to have an army. Come, we only got about 2,000 boys left, and uh, we got to go through the winter, see what we can do. And... Uh, he he told me that uh, we could do this. Uh, the the new thing that they had come up with is uh, instead of using the smallpox, uh, 
to do the uh, the verification that was what they called it. They would experiment with the cowpox because a lot of people that they were infecting with the smallpox stuff was dying. So they started using the, the cowpox to do the verification. And uh, that worked out a hell of a lot better, and they still got them. Uh, they still got the uh, immunity towards t to the smallpox. So I said, "Well, get on down to Congress." So he he went on down to Lester, Lester, Doctor Lester. He went on down to Congress, down to Philadelphia. And says, "Come on, we need some money. Uh, we need uh, the funds to uh, inoculate the army up there in the West Valley Ford, so that they'll get the smallpox this winter." And um, they told him, they told him no. They told they told Doctor Lester, Doctor Lester, to come back, and he said we they won't give us no they won't give us the funding, man. Uh, you know some things never change. You know the way it is in the in the government today. Well, it wasn't a hell of a lot different back then either. So I said to hell with them boys, and I said Doctor Lester, you get that stuff. You got the stuff. Can you get the stuff? He says yeah, we can get it, but we got we ain't got no money to buy it. I said, well, you go out there and buy it, and uh, I paid out of my own pocket. That's right. George Washington paid for that. I took, I did the whole troops. I inoculated the whole troop. Talk, did everybody. We had no smallpox up there that winter, and uh, we did have a, a few brief cases, very, very brief, and uh, we made it through the winter, and uh, if it hadn't have been, uh, now some people, and that's what I did, and I was happy to do it for the troops. Paid for it out of my pocket. Now you tell me, uh, what what kind of commander is going to do that these days? So uh, I mean, I believed in that uh, in that cause, and uh, I put my money where my mouth is. Took care of them troops that day. Well, I tell you, well, uh, George, uh, I certainly do uh, appreciate that. I knew that. That's uh, that's the way I heard it told myself that you had paid for that yourself, and uh, I'm happy to uh, say that. Uh, and, and, and sure, it doesn't happen today. But I uh, want to thank you again, and we honor you this weekend on your uh, birthday with uh, with that. Now, uh, there's this other thing about uh, what's going on with uh, with those two rebellions you had. There was the Whisker Rebellion, and then the Shays Rebellion. What's the deal with that? Well, I'll tell you what, Kavana, they're two different, completely different things. Now, that Whiskey Rebellion, that was another deal. And uh, after the war, when the war ended, I went home. And uh, I just wanted to be a planter when the war I went home, be a f old simple farmer. Just like that James, he likes to be a, a simple seed programmer. And I just wanted to be a simple farmer. I went back to my farm. And uh, happened down there. And uh, thing about the, in those days, uh, commodities were worth more. Commodities such as uh, food, sugar, cotton, uh, wheat, tobacco, uh, sugar. Those things were worth more than gold. Nobody wanted gold. Nobody wanted money. Can't eat gold. Gold ain't good for nothing. So, uh, except for trade, it's just a fiat thing with some intrinsic value to it, of course, but it wasn't the same. So, uh, nobody would, they'd rather trade you some uh, cotton for beans or some such stuff like that. You know, it, uh, nobody wanted that, that, the gold and, of course, the British pounds. There's a, that's another whole deal there. But one of the biggest commodities that was easily tradable, everybody wanted was whiskey.
So I, I had a, quite a distillery. Matter of fact, uh, after several years, I was the biz, biggest whiskey uh, distiller in the, uh, in the uh, States. Uh, right after that war, I got that started. But that had nothing to do with the Whiskey Rebellion. That was another deal. Those boys were getting out of hand. They didn't want to pay their taxes. But uh, that's completely different from that other thing that man was talking about. Uh, that Shays Rebellion, that was a different deal. Well, okay, George. Uh, well, well, we'll like to hear about that Shays Rebellion. Uh, but uh, let me get another song on, and then we'll come back, and uh, you can comment on uh, Shays Rebellion. Okay, so, uh, okay, what I'm going to do is I get a song on here. Uh, here's a song by the band with Eric Clapton playing live. This is a, this is a pretty good little tune. Get this on.
monster followed me. He caught me in the fall. Well, he said, I'll fix your back if you take Jack, my dog. I said, wait a minute, Chester. Ooh, I'm a peaceful man. Well, he said, that's okay, boys. Won't you feel welcome whenever you can? Well, I hate to break in on uh, on Eric playing that. Uh, listen, uh, we had some trouble with the interfacing spatial uh, references and uh, diodes for the uh, the galactic communications that was allowing George to be here today. He had to leave, but uh, I'll explain that. Uh, I'll explain that the deal with Shay's Rebellion in a second. I'm pretty familiar with it. Uh, I checked with George. You know, we're on the same uh, page with that. But the, the other thing I wanted to mention is that there's another new, interesting, show you the versatility of the net, net assets exchange and what's going to be available. That there's a new asset that uh, has, it's a, it's a coffee plantation, pretty interesting stuff. The, uh, it's a coffee plantation in uh, Panama. And if you go out there, it's, uh, and it is actually a, it's called Panama Cafe. Right, Panama C A F E. It's on the Net Assets Exchange. You can you can click on that, and uh, it's a pretty interesting thing. There's a hundred thousand assets. They're selling for twenty five uh, next. And the um, and they're they're selling pretty good, but you can get a piece. And it they what to do is the asset earns a share of profits from a deeded half acre of a professionally managed. 3.3 hectare, hectare uh, operating a coffee farm about 10 minutes outside Boquette, Panama, in the town of Palmyra. 
and uh, as well as any uh, proceeds from the sale of the lot. So the uh, I, I read some other stuff about this, and what's going on with this is they're purchasing the lot. It, 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 they're purchasing. It's a working farm. It's got a lot of the infrastructure already up. Roads going out to it. It's a working farm right now, and. What they do is they grow the coin, the the uh, coin, they grow the uh, coffee, and then it's sold uh, in into a huge group like a um, a co-op. They do it with cranberries here in Massachusetts in the United States. Everybody sells their their cranberries and then they throw them all in a big pile and then the uh, they get sold off. Now that's the way it's doing now. They, now their plan is to um, keep their beans separate, roast, and they, they sell them raw. So what they're going to do is they're going to put in a roaster and roast them and then sell them individually under their own brand as a uh, gourmet coffee or maybe their own brand. So they could be getting some uh, stuff from there, but they're a... Uh, increase uh, in uh, revenue through that, but they, they are going to make some revenue and 100% of the profits will be distributed to the asset holders. And then if the uh, if and when the lot is sold, the uh, the, the uh, it'll all of the, any profit from the uh, sale of the land, will be distributed to the asset holders as well. I believe it's Ponzi who's behind this. Uh, you can get out there and uh, ask around, ask about these other things. Uh, he has, uh, he's already done business with these people before, uh, and uh, another South American coffee um, a deal with some kind of a coffee plantation or something that he's got going and has worked out pretty well. He's got his payments and uh, he gets some coffee beans from him and all of that. So it's worked out. So he's expanding and he's he's uh, didn't have quite enough to uh, do it himself. So he's uh, putting this, making it an asset out there. So you got the reputation of Ponzi and uh, again, going by reputation of the people, I mean, uh, might sound a little weird, but I'm going to be buying some myself. Uh, very very shortly I get some uh, more coin in next week to uh, to buy I, I'm a buyer I'm not a seller I don't do a lot of trading I'm uh, just accumulating now have been uh, the last seven or eight months and that's what my strategy has been I'm going to be trying to accumulate stuff not I, I, I might sell some stuff here and there if I, I get an inkling but uh Mostly, I'm a buyer, but that uh, that's a very interesting uh, asset there. That Panama Cafe, it's a coffee plantation down in Panama. Get on out there uh, and uh, take a look at it yourself, and uh, you know, buy a few uh, if you care to. So, um, all right, now to get back to uh, the, the other thing about Shays Rebellion was after the Revolutionary War. And again, it happened up in western Massachusetts. These guys up there, uh, the war was over and, uh, you know, the economy was in a mess and uh, all of these things were going on uh, economically and uh, th there was no uh, cohesive agreement about uh, what was going on with the states. 
uh, the Third Continental Congress was going on. They haven't even gotten to forming the Confederation, never mind getting on to the uh, new Constitution that they had eventually come to uh, form after the Confederation didn't seem to work too well. But what was going on was that all of the soldiers up there, uh, all over and up in Massachusetts, uh, they, they didn't get paid. And times were tough economically, so they said, where's our money? And uh, Congress said, Congress is down in Philly, and they said, yeah, well, the war's over. We don't need the army anymore. And they, the, the Congress is trying to stiff the army for uh, their uh, all the money that they owed to the soldiers who'd won the war. So uh, boys up in Massachusetts, being how they are, said, well, shit, you know, we still got our guns. We still got an army. We'll go on down there and uh, take care of Congress, and we'll get some money. We'll get some. We'll get. We'll, we'll, we'll teach those boys what for. We're not going to take this. I mean, they agreed. We agreed to fight. We did our job. We're supposed to get paid. They're going to stiff us now. So they were getting ready to do that and the forming up. And the word got out. And uh, some people went out there from uh, the local uh, local authorities went out there. They had a few battles. And, uh, you know, uh, not battles, they were more like skirmishes, firefights in between them. And actually, George Washington himself went up there and uh, intervened, went up to Massachusetts. And, uh, matter of fact, he tried uh, the, uh, I do know that at the Massachusetts Historical Society, they have the uh, actual documents that the Washington used to, uh, in his speech he gave when he talked to uh, the troops out there in the Berkshires uh, back in 1783 during Shays Rebellion. Uh, he used his first spectacles, his eyes were going by then, and uh, it's, it's funny that those documents, it, their larger script that's writing there, it just like they have uh, when a speech writer, when a guy goes up to give a speech, you know, I mean, they got teleprompters, but if they do have, when they're looking down at a paper, these uh, newscasters and whatever, and people give speeches, they're in larger type so they can read them. It's not like they're, they're small. So uh, it was in larger script, and the leatherette um, case uh, brief uh, that uh, the uh, this uh, speech was carried to uh, to uh, by Washington is also at the Mass Historical Society. You can actually see that, hold that in your hands, man. It's really something. But anyway, George went out there, and what he said to him was, he said, fellas, come on, man. This is what we, uh, this is what we fought against. Uh, you know, this harsh oppression, and, you know, I'm 100% by you. I was out there. I never left the field. Uh, and George Washington never left the field. Old Tommy was there. He showed up in uh, Washington, in uh, Boston, in late 1775, and he stayed there th uh, with his uh, men in the field until the war ended. Totally, never left the field. Uh, always with his men. And he said, "Listen, I was with you boys from thick and thin, and uh, I will guarantee personally, I will go down there to Congress and I'll see that you get paid. That's only right." I'll take care of that. We'll we'll work something out there, but you guys will get paid, and uh, but you got to stand down because this is what we fought against. This is why this is what we fought the whole damn war for, and uh, so in a historical to put that in historical perspective, 
that's where the United States differs from a lot of these other countries today that are trying to get into democracy is uh, because, like especially in South America, they just don't give it up. Uh, in Korea, you know, they don't give it up. Africa, they, do, they get in charge and these presidents, they stay in there forever. They call themselves presidents for life. And, uh, and that's not how it works in, uh, in the United States. We have a peaceful transition of power every four years. And that people take that for granted, that uh, that, that, peaceful, that transition of power goes from the Democratic Party to the Republicans and back and forth. Every four years it happens, and there isn't any—the military is not in charge— of the political process, and the the, uh, the the president of the United States is a commander in chief, and he's a civilian, which works out a little bit. It's a little dicey sometimes. I understand, but it's really important, and it's a big difference between how the rest of the world works and what happens with the United States. Uh, that peaceful transition is a key part of. Uh, of a political process and having a stable uh, country where people can have some freedoms. And as much as I complain and as much as freedom is uh, being usurped these days and this Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies and we're fighting against all of that stuff, we can do it today. And if we do get some people elected or we do get into power, we can have, uh, we got a shot, uh, you know, to get these kind of things done. And uh, and the only reason that we have that peaceful transition when uh, between elections is because George Washington set the tone back to, in 1783 with Shays' Rebellion, and he took care of the troops, and he took care of business, too. So uh, that's a, two little stories about George I thought you'd like to know on his bill. I, I, I appreciate the man, and it's unfortunate that uh, Carl couldn't convert himself. You know, those, uh, those Austrians... Or whatever he was, I don't know if he was an Austrian or whatever, but uh, he's getting a little bit uh, nutty there. So uh, we'll go away with that. Uh, also, a lot of other stuff going on in the news. I want to—I'm running over a little bit on time, but I do want to get through some of this stuff. Where some very interesting stuff. Uh, you talk about uh, this governor, governor of Oregon, resigned for uh, ethics violations. His woman uh, is taken over after his resignation. And at the same time, the, uh, uh, the former vice president of Iran, uh, uh, that uh, he, he was, uh, was uh, what's his name, uh, Ramimi, uh, Muhammad Reza Ramimi, he was a vice president uh, under Ahmadinejad, and uh, he's been ordered to uh, five years in prison in order to pay 10 billion uh, reals. That's 300,000 bucks. And uh, they also ordered him to uh, compensate. That's the fine. And he's also got to uh, pay compensation to uh, 800,000 of $800,000. So, uh, so uh, he was, uh, he's going off to prison. And uh, I don't wish uh, an Iranian prison on anybody. Uh, but this guy used to be vice president, and so they're getting him. So graft is uh, everywhere. Uh, Yemen is uh, the neighbors. Finally, what Cavando was thinking is, I'm tired of the United States going fighting for everybody. Uh, let's just let them fight and uh, fight it out and uh, let them go at it for a while, and they can take 
get squared away themselves. And that's happening in Yemen, where the uh, Al-Qaeda took over the uh, president, uh, surrounded the president's house, and they kind of took over in Yemen. They've been having a lot of problems down in there. And uh, the Yemen, that, that president that they okay, surrounded took over uh, was... Uh, it was a an ally of the United States, but anyway, so Yemen has been going downhill fast in the last couple of weeks, and that happened. And all of the neighbors of Yemen are starting to get it together. Uh, they warned that uh, that if they, they asked in the UN for some help, but they warned that if uh, if the if the world fails to act against the Shiite rebels who uh, have talked that Yemeni government. There's a six-nation Gulf Cooperation Council will take whatever a actions they deem necessary to maintain regional security. So I'm happy to see that. You know, have at it. You know, if the UN, I mean, that's like going crazy trying to get the UN to do anything, and then they want the U.S. to do it. So, uh, so have at it, fellas. You know, the uh, the, the Gulf Co Cooperation Council, six nations. Take care of business, fellas. I like that. So, uh, plus, uh, that Netanyahu, who uh, the Israeli prime minister, he's stirring stuff up, and uh, he's been invited to speak by Boehner, who, uh, John Boehner, the Speaker of the House, uh, you know, basically insulted uh, the president. It's getting bad down there in Washington. These guys don't care. They're way going out of bounds. He invited uh, a foreign dignitary to, to address Congress. That's not allowed. That's way out of the protocol for that. Some of his colleagues actually got on him about that. He invited Netanyahu to uh, come and speak, and he, as far as I know, he's gonna. He, he continues to be on track to do that. But yesterday, he said that that the only safe place for uh, Jews is is Israel. Come to Israel. That's the only we can. You, you're safer here. A Jew, a, a, a person of Jewish persuasion, is safer in Israel than they are anywhere else in the world. A lot of people in Israel aren't happy about him saying that either. Uh, and of course, Jews all over the world aren't aren't too happy with that. But uh, that uh, you gotta you gotta admire the man for saying what he thinks. Um, there's all kinds of other crazy shit. Oh. Something else in the news with George, as far as George Washington goes, I wanted to get is, is they're doing an entire laser scan of Mount Vernon, uh, Washington's mansion, that uh, he uh, was uh, running. Uh, he got a hold of that. That's where that distillery he was talking about was. And uh, he uh, had great fun and took great uh, pride in uh, doing the architecture and managing and designing the grounds and uh, all of those things down there. If you ever get down into Virginia, take a look at that. You know, Virginia's great for those kind of stuff. You can take a look at Von Vernon and Monticello, Thomas Jefferson's place. You ever get a chance down there to take a tour through there, it's great. But, uh, and over the years, they've done several renovations at Mount Vernon. It's still open. And, uh, you know, quite uh, quite the view, got quite the view overseeing the Potomac River there, uh, overlooking the Potomac River. And what they're doing is they're doing a complete laser scan right now to, and they'll be able to tell by this technology what 
is original, what has been repaired, when it was repaired, what it was used, and then they'll be able to keep it all up to snuff going forward and for any renovations. Get, I guess they're getting ready for another uh, complete renovation down there to keep it going, but it's a pretty neat place. Uh, I'm going down to Washington to do some research on a book I'm working on uh, probably next month sometime. I might just slide over and... Uh, do it myself. I'm putting myself in the box. I tell people they ought to do this. I got to do it myself. I'm looking forward to getting down here to Washington. Uh, last uh, time I went down there on a research mission, I didn't get a lot done except for the work I went for. There's a lot to do down there. National Gallery. Uh, you can get into the Botanic Gardens uh, where they got uh, a great collection of all of that. The Smithsonian. Uh, there's all kinds of things to do and see down there. And um, uh, free too. You don't pay to get into those things, by the way. The uh, National Gallery, all that, it's free uh, to uh, get in and uh, check all that stuff out. So, uh, don't forget that's uh, so. I'm going to be signing off now uh, on the Chillax Hour. It's the Chillax Hour on the Monday this holiday. Uh, be advised again that tomorrow morning at 11 o'clock, Tuesday. Uh, let's see, it, it will be the 17th of February at 11 a.m. Tuesday morning, Eastern Standard Time. We'll be doing, uh, I'll be on with uh, Colin Brady, uh, Colin uh, 012, Colin 12, uh, and uh, we'll be talking about the bitter hack uh, and the uh, security measures and uh, all of those things uh, pertaining to that. Pretty interested. Looking forward to that. So, Cavando uh, here now and uh, getting ready. We're supposed to get some other storm here tonight. If we got power, I'll be on again tomorrow. And uh, it's been looking good. So, Cavando here saying peace out.